Hello everyone, Derek Floyd here, Beautiful Now Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Impossible. This is the segment where I interview special guests who seem to have accomplished impossible things on their journey to the dream of their success. And we want to let you know that no matter what your dream is, you can accomplish yours too. Now, if you enjoy the content you see here, please hit us with a like or subscribe so we can make sure we get you the most updated content as soon as it's available. And if you really like it, then hit us with a big share. Share with a friend so that everybody can lead the world uplifted, encouraged, and inspired. And as always, our segment is brought to you and powered by IK Multimedia and Lewitt Microphones. Now, today's special guest is actually someone that I've admired for a very long time. A jazz artist, but more a songwriter, a producer, a pianist. He's a drummer, even a trombone player. And he's worked within genres from R&B to hip-hop to funk to, of course, smooth jazz and everything in between. This man has accomplished a ton. As a matter of fact, he just released his 20th record. 20 records, guys. So he's been around making music for all of us to really enjoy. And I think you're going to really enjoy his story. So will you please help me welcome my good friend, Mr. Brian Culberson. Brian, you there, buddy? What's happening, Derek? How you doing, man? Man, look at that setup, man. You're making me feel bad over there. What's going on? I don't know, man. This is my little, uh, you know, my little studio situation. It's all good. <laughs> look like it's the home away from home, like a little luxurious little pad, chilling out. Man, it's like the uh, French boudoir. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you got to have a vibe, man, when you're making you- records, you know? You gotta have a vibe, man. Are you, st- are you staying safe, washing hands, staying away from this COVID madness? Man, I don't leave this room. <laughs> I get on my bike about once a day, and then uh, you know, I, I'm I'm here. I'm cool. Now see, now, but you're making music, so you, well, you're not touring, though, so you're staying home, so you're being safe. Right. I got no choice. <laughs> I got nowhere to go, man. Where where, where are we gonna go? I'm screaming, oh, I'm, I'm making records, and, uh, you know, that's about it. Well, you're doing it all, brother. We sure do appreciate you. Thank you for taking a few minutes just to stop by and talk to the subscribers, man. Of course. Lot. My man. So, so let's jump on in, man. You know, uh, when did you actually discover that you had the gifting for music in general, like a full-blown gifting for that? Uh, I was uh, able to visit someone's studio. They had a home studio where I grew up in Illinois and I got to go over and and visit their studio and I was blown away because he let me kind of program a whole track from start to finish. I was just kind of messing around with uh, random pop songs of the day. You know, I was about 12 years old. And so I go over to this cat's house and he had a, you know, very basic setup, like a four track recorder, a drum machine, a DX7 and this and that but I was able to layer all the parts for the very first time. And to me, creating a track from scratch and finishing it and leaving it with a cassette tape blew my mind. I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I had no idea. And from that moment on, I was, like I said, I was about 12 years old. Uh, I knew that was my path. So So you, you knew at 12 you were gifted to play music. That was it. That was before everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Prior to that, you know, I was taking more traditional classical piano lessons. And like many kids, I I didn't love that. I I wasn't into that. Um, But, you know, once I started 
kind of making my own tracks and then started writing my own music, that's when I got excited about it. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you play multiple instruments, like the drums or even the trombone, I remember. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, was piano always the first passion or were you interested in something else more so before then? Piano started it all. Um, but then I, I was, I, I was kind of curious about a lot of different things. Uh, the following year, I, I started piano at about eight years old. The next year, I took up drum set lessons just because I thought it was fun. The following year, it was fifth grade, so I wanted to join the fifth grade band. So there's no piano in the band, and the drum parts for fifth grade band were really rudimentary. At that point, I was already playing along with Earth, Wind & Fire and Toto Records, right? What? So I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Um, so they're like, well, why don't you try all the instruments out and see which one you could just sort of play. And I, I tried them all. I tried flute, sax, trumpet, and then I picked up the trombone, and for some reason I could just sort of play it. It was weird. I had this uh, natural ability on it. So first day, I'll never forget, uh, I played for about three hours straight, and my lips swelled up. <laughs> get, get out the ice pack. But I was so excited about it. I didn't care, you know. Oh, wow. That's madness, man. Who, yeah. Like, who After knew, that, I... What's that? I said, like, who knew you were a trombone player, though, right? We, we know you as this amazing pianist artist, but you were a trombone player. Well, believe it or not, I, I was mainly a trombone player through high school and even through college. People knew me more as a trombone player. They didn't even know I played piano back in college because I did all my gigs on trombone. Wedding bands, funk bands, uh, corporate gigs, whatever we were doing, and jazz ensemble. Uh, so when I came out with my first record, it was all piano-based. Uh, everyone in Chicago was like, what? 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 What is this? Where's your trombone? They're like, oh yeah, I was a closet piano player. <laughs> <laughs> so my nobody even knew. Along, my passion all along was making tracks and, and writing. So. Ah, well, that's cool, man. And see, I'm learning about you already. I didn't even mm-hmm. know. We're always thinking you start off on piano. You know, you started with playing a little bit, and that's how you graduated to this whole thing. But you started on your trombone. How killer is that? Mm-hmm. So, so as you grew up then, playing all these multiple instruments, drums, trombone, piano, so on, and making tracks, what were your, or who were your main influences that kind of got you going in that direction? Uh, I mean, I, early on, I was listening to, uh, you know, a lot of the, the fusion kind of records. So Chick Corea, Electric Band, the Yellow Jackets, the Brecker Brothers, Jeff Lorber, Fusion, uh, Love Jeff. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and then, uh, as well as the horn band, Chicago, Earth, Wind & Fire, um, that kind of thing. Uh, so, Tower of Power. Um, you know, mm-hmm. So, those kind of two schools I was way, way into. Uh, David Sanborn, Marcus Miller, that, that whole thing. Um, uh, so, what I would do is, uh, especially when I was in high school, I'd be listening to my favorite records and try to recreate those uh, productions with the tools that I had. Mm. Of course, I never really came close, but I was, <laughs> was trying to, you know, make it sound like a, a Chick Corea record. <laughs> Impossible, because that was all, you know, mostly live instruments, but I was trying to mm. program drums like, and sound like Dave Weckl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy to do, man, because that boy is a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I guess I was honing my skills on how to program and how to produce. And I was just kind of learning by listening and trial and error. So, 
Because wow. I never had a, a teacher on that per se. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So when music, when did music then go from I just enjoy doing this, I love it, I love playing, making tracks to I want to be an artist for real. I want to make my living doing this. When did that transpire? There was kind of a transition. Uh, I didn't set out to be an artist per se uh, early on. I, I knew that I wanted to be a songwriter and a producer of some sort. Uh, also uh, thought about you know the movie industry, film scoring. And that, so I was kind of focused more on on that. And then, when I was in college, my second year, I decided to uh, do a demo of three songs, instrumental songs. Um, in Chicago, there's a radio station, or there was a, a kind of a smooth jazz radio station that was really big back in the early '90s um, when I was going to school. And so I'd be listening to that and be like, "Man, I, yeah, I could, I could do that." <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, that's what I did. I put uh, together three songs and I seriously, I sent it to, uh, I knew one person in LA, one person. And I, again, I wasn't really setting out to be an artist. I, I was just like, I want to make music and, and write and produce. Uh, but I sent these th- songs to this guy, Bud Harner. I've told this story to other people. And uh, he, he loved them, and he said, man, Brian, th- these are really good. I'm going to play them for my label. Uh, he worked at a small, small indie label called Mesa Blue Moon Records, uh, which was uh, eventually sold later to Atlantic, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they, they dug it, and two weeks later, I had a record deal. I was 21 years old. <laughs> Whoa, Second wow. year in college, freaking out. Whoa. Really, I didn't, you- I was, I didn't even try, really. So you weren't even really looking for it. You just wanted someone to check out your music. You thought, eh, you know, I can make this work. I'm going to send it to my buddy. Well, let me just do three songs and see if my, you know, this guy that I knew liked him or not. Because I would randomly send him tracks over the years when I was in high Mm -hmm. school. He was a family friend. I knew him for a long time. You know, he had been in the business a long time. He used to play drums for Barry Manilow and Paul Anka and various other people. uh, But decided to kind of settle down and started working at this label. Uh, he had worked uh, for two or three labels, I think, at that point, and was always encouraging and said, hey, Brian, you know, keep working on your songs. And uh, So finally, I sent him something that he was like, oh, uh, that sounds pretty good. And those three songs ended up being part of my first album, The Long Night Out CD. And that's the one I always tell you that I, I, I listened to another Long Night Out more than anything. Sure. I just love the reproductions of it, but the songs were, were top-notch from the get. So how interesting is it that those first few songs brought you to where you are now, which is awesome. Awesome to hear that. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you weren't even really pursuing it, which is just like you were doing it for the love of music. You wanted someone to check it out. You wanted to play. You wanted yeah. to write. You wanted to produce. So mm-hmm. how, how wonderful was it that you weren't just trying to find and pursue it, but you got there on just the love of the music? Yeah, because I've, I, you know, we've heard everybody's or so many people's stories of, oh, man, I was chasing that record deal for years and I was had these other gigs and I was a side man over here and then I sold insurance for a while or whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. Um, wow. You know, I, I really never had that. Um, I never played uh, piano for any other artist. I was never a, a side guy. Only yeah, because, yeah. you know, I just, I was in college playing in the college band and then I did this. It, you know, it just happened. 
Was your family yeah. super encouraging when you said, I want to go of play course. music forever? Or were they like, oh, oh yeah. I don't know, you're crazy? Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Thankfully. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, fast forward from there to now, and you've released yeah. your 20th album recently. Whoa. Mm. 20, 20 records, bro. Big double X. That's pretty impressive. That's a great achievement. Oh. I mean, what what brings you to the creative space now still after 20 records? How do you stay creative? Uh, to me, it's just uh, sitting in the studio, getting inspired by... I kind of get inspired in, in various ways. Um, one of the ways I still get inspired is sitting at my computer and just scroll through sounds. And a particular sound will just peak or, or spark an idea uh, mm. which turns into a whole song um, so that I've been that way a long time um, other things are have happened randomly um, you know I did this album called Winter Stories where I was walking around Chicago in Christmas time a couple of years ago and I got inspired by the the smell the feel of the air and the crunch of the snow and that whole vibe so I started writing that uh, I, one record was called Dreams, and I was seriously waking up daily with really vivid dreams with music in them and remembering some of the music. So I would wow. go to the studio first thing in the morning and try to, you know, jot it down, get it down. Wow. Um, that hasn't happened since. Only for a short period. <laughs> hey, it only comes when it comes. There you go. I mean, so I've, I've always kind of been, um, I, I sort of go with what I feel in the moment. I don't plan far in advance in terms of what kind of record I'm making. Uh, I just go with, hey, what, what, what do I want to do right now? Um, and I'm not trying to chase the fans or radio or whatever I think people want. I'm just kind of going from the heart and I think that's all we can do, you know? Are you, are you a melody first person? Do you hear the melody first or do you kind of, because you Typically said you, you hear a sound. It's last. Wow. Yeah, typically I'll I'll create a whole track, like a groove. I'll, pro I'll produce a no, I'll produce a track. Uh, <laughs> drums, bass, keys, strings, clavinet, effects, this and that, and then once I have this really uh, flushed out kind of foundation of a song, then I'll start playing my piano over the top of it. That's wow. when the melodies come. Get out. I mean, a lot of mm. a lot of songwriters I know start with melody first and then work through. Right. You work the other way. That's cool, yep. man. Yeah, that is craziness. I well, mean, again, know, so a couple times I've heard a melody and then uh, fit to it, but that's rare for me. Hmm. hmm. Well, you've been creating music obviously for a long time, and, and you, I call you a genre bender because you've been from, from R&B to hip-hop. You do a little bit of everything, a little jazz. I mean, you take it all together. Funk, of course, one of your favorites. Did a whole record with funk. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which genre do you think would probably be the classic Brian C? Or, or is there, are they all Brian C? But is there one that goes, this is where I sit just comfy? I mean, for the, for the hardcore fans that have been with me a long time, once I go into kind of a, a medium kind of sexy groove <laughs> <so to speak. laughs> piano comes in smooth and smooth on top that's probably right in the middle for you know anyone's uh, within one bar they can be like oh that's brian you know mm -hmm. i think 
I don't know. Ask them. <laughs> I mean, for but, me, it's the it's the smooth piano. But that's that's what I love about you most. I play that probably more than anything. Uh, yeah. I love all the other stuff. But when I put on Brian C, like not knowing you, but then play the records, I put mm-hmm. on the ones with the piano that sits up front and and takes there me you there. Go. You know. So that's that's what I think Brian C is. But they, you got your own version of it. You know. No, I I think that makes sense and. And I only experiment with these other genres because I, like I said, I'm always kind of curious about doing other things. I get bored. I, I want to try other things. Um, definitely don't want to be in a box either. Uh, so it's, it's open doors for me that have been really cool. Gotten on different kinds of festivals that I wouldn't necessarily have been on if I would have just stayed straight down the middle, uh, smooth piano. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, it's wow. been cool. And, you know, I honestly love doing it all. Let's face it. You know, I, I love it all. I, I get excited go. about everything. You know, nothing that goes on one of my records, I'm not excited about, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, you've been, and you've also been accepted by the, by the African American community at large, you know, mm-hmm. NAACP awards, you know, uh, Soul Train awards, you know, and, and that's not always easy to cross those barriers, cross those genres and cross those racial barriers. Um, has that always been an easy transition for you or was it difficult early on as you started to create your music and get it placed in those certain places? I didn't necessarily think about it. Um, I just was making music and sort of went with whatever again whatever whatever i was feeling um you know i i really didn't set out to say hey i want to cross into other areas and do that i i i just wanted to make music that i liked and to me if other people end up liking it that's a bonus Mm. to me that's awesome awesome. Uh, i first and foremost make music for myself um because i would do that regardless if this was my career or not hmm. you know yeah. um, because I think we all start off by doing music because we love it not because we're making money from it mm-hmm. um, of course it turns into that because you got to pay bills um, <laughs> you got to eat bro you got to eat. Eat. <laughs> eat you got to you know buy some things but uh, you know uh, but again you know I, I would do it even if I wasn't getting anything for it um, I just love it and if people uh, whomever likes it it's, it's, it's a bonus you know um, that's cool I love it know, I, I love it I certainly haven't uh, uh, gone rock and roll or uh, you know I, I haven't <laughs> done other things so I, I'm sure, still sure. within some sort of a, <laughs> a you still got some parameters in there somewhere I got parameters sure. yeah <laughs> But even but with that, knows? I mean, you 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 built a very loyal and very diverse fan base, which is incredible. So that's that's you know for anyone that's an, a big accomplishment. So congratulations on that space by itself. Thank you. Um, thank you. you know, why do you feel your mes- why do you feel your music resonates with so many different people? Why do you feel like it touches so many people? Um, I mean, I I can't speak for other people, but all I know is I I try to create music that. Um, touches inside of you um i always want a really uh, deep feeling when you're listening to the music um and that has to do with the chord structures i'm using the melodies that i'm i'm composing um and also the sounds that i'm using um if i'm not feeling it 
deep on a deeper level, I know something's not right and I'm going to fix it and change it so that when you put on a song of mine, you're like, Ooh, it's, it, I, it's hard to explain exactly. Um, you know, we all know there's kind of bubblegum pop music and that's not really making you feel anything. You know, it maybe make you dance or, or whatever. And, oh, that, that's fun. But I sort of want to go deeper than that. And so that's where I've been. And that translates in music, which is amazing. Um, mm. You know, and, and, and I can echo and say it definitely translates for me because when I listen to certain songs, I put it on and I, like, for like Winter Stories, something like that, I'm relaxing. Right. It just takes me to that space and I can just, cool. you know, close my eyes and go there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also a very consummate performer you know when you're out on stage you give your 100 percent. you give a great concert um you know people come from all over to see it you know how has it been with covid with you being able to connect with your fans because that's part of your draw you connect with your fans in such a great way when you give a concert so how's covid adjusted all that for you well uh i was on my way to the airport on march 13th uh when everybody got the announcement <laughs> and uh whole tour canceled uh, <laughs> whole so tour I, uh, gone whole tour I had 70 shows on the books uh, from from March through the end of June uh, promoting the the latest album 20 it's called the 20 tour we were going all over the states on a bus six nights a week different city every night oh full production I mean yeah wow so you know I lost some money there <laughs> yeah just a little bit <laughs> wow yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just started basically streaming once a week. Um, I had been streaming randomly over the past four or five years. I called it the Friday night studio hang. Okay. So if, if I had ever been in the studio on a Friday night, which was kind of rare cause I was always touring, uh, I would just go live with my iPhone, like so many people. Hey, what's up people? Uh, you know, here's what I'm working on. Right. Right. Uh, so once this hit, I was like, well, let me just go every Friday night. And so each Friday, I, I would uh, go on, just play some tunes for people. And you're like, hey, everyone's like, hey, thanks for doing this, you know, because your tours canceled. I had tickets. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, and then progressively each week, I was getting annoyed with the lack of kind of overall quality, sound quality. You know, when you go on your phone, it's in mono audio. Yeah never good um, <laughs> low you know resolution yeah, you know, you know yeah, the whole night yeah. so i slowly started uh, kind of researching okay how do you stream a real looking show um and in the beginning i must admit it was just overwhelming and super daunting uh, because there was a massive list of gear to first mm-hmm. buy and then understand and how to hook up and then run it all Mm-hmm. Uh, because, by yourself you know, yeah by yourself in the streaming game it's it's one person operations you know there's there's no tv studio here it's it's one person yeah you know hitting yeah. all these i use this little stream deck thing anyway um so thankfully it's turned into quite a situation to where everybody is is tuning in every friday night so even fans that didn't necessarily have tickets to the tour are now watching every single Friday night. So it's like I'm, I, I have a massive theater coming to see me every Friday, you know, <laughs> bigger than the venues that I was even going to be playing, you know? Wow. 
Uh, so it's kind of an interesting, cool thing that's happened. Well, The Hang, which I've watched, of course, multiple times, has your personality for sure, has your flair. You're definitely being you the entire time. But you brought in wine, you're bringing in special guests. I mean, did you see that vision from the beginning or did this just evolve into, man, this could be pretty fun. Let me take it all the way there. Yeah, initially, when I was just doing my phone, of course not. You know, it was just about very, very casual. Hey, what's up? You know, just a little studio tour. I'd set the phone over there and then it'd fall over. And then, oh, well, oh, here, look at this piece of gear. And okay, here's a song I'm working on. So, uh, but once I decided to flip the switch and say, okay, let me make a real looking show. Uh, that's in when in my mind I decided to, let's make it a real formatted show too with like I said, interviews, wine tasting things, and, and segmented. Um, and, you know, I really took cues from the late night talk shows, in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a theme song in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There, you know, all, it has all these elements, the monologue, the this and that. Uh, so it just made sense to me. Wow. You know? Yeah. So it, now it, that we have the technology, why not? I thought to myself. Um, why so I not? edit all the videos on iMovie. Uh, I do all the graphics and Photoshop. I'm doing the website. I do everything, you know. Um, I have wow. a handful of people that are helping me on, on, on certain things. Of course, my managers are helping out greatly with connecting with other talent and helping with song licenses. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other things to deal with. Um, but on the creative side, I'm... I'm doing the majority of it myself, um, which is really fulfilling. But I don't know how sustainable that is once I go back on tour. Yeah, that's Um, what I was thinking. Will you go back to this once COVID's over and you're able to hit the road? Will this still be a part of what you do? It will be. uh, It'll just be different when I'm on the road. You know, maybe it'll be uh, just a different format. But I I guarantee you when I'm back off the road again, I'm going to be streaming on Friday night still. So this is a new part of what I do, and I love it, and the fans are really reacting to it, so why not? I love it. And I'm told that you're like one of the top 10 Facebook um, events that come on every Friday, you know, like a number six, I think, on the Polestar, so congratulations Yeah, a couple weeks ago, yeah, we, we hit top 10. It was amazing. I'm like, what? That's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, the fans are, are awesome. Uh, they're so supportive. Um, I even have a smaller group of fans that have joined, uh, I call it the hand club, which is, uh, I started a Patreon. Uh, so people, you know, I say, do you want to hang out more? So I actually stream Mondays and Wednesdays as well, uh, for Patreon folks at different tiers and, uh, got lots of different things, uh, you know, if people are interested, but, uh, you know, the Friday night's always a, a free show live on Facebook. So, you know, everybody tunes in for that which is a lot of fun and that's at what time uh, 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern or nice. if you're in japan saturday morning <laughs> <laughs> there it is and, they, and, I, I always see them in the chat room right it's crazy <laughs> they're like good morning and, uh, you're like what good morning what <laughs> and and your whole unique personality, your charisma, your flair, like with the hair, the whole nine, was that always you coming in even when you were younger? Or did you kind of develop into this person that you do when you're out there? 
Well, in the beginning, I was definitely a, a reluctant performer on stage. I was more of a studio guy. I, I could control everything in the studio. Once you go on stage, it's like, uh, ah, you mm. know, anything can happen. It's disasters happen on stage. So <laughs> I was really nervous. I was shy. But, uh, you know, over the years... You, you know, shy? Uh, no way. I was in the beginning. <laughs> no way. You know, my girlfriend at the time, we've been married a long time now, she was always like... She, she was a, an opera singer, so she was very much a, a performer. So mm. she would always get on me for like, okay, Brian, you got to look at the audience and talk to them and engage. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Bending down, playing the piano on the side of the stage, you know, so. Uh, but, you know, slowly, it, it just evolved. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Uh, and the more songs of mine ended up being played on radio. Therefore, the fans knew the songs. You know, when you're first, tour when you're first touring, no one knows who the hell you are. They don't know any <laughs> of your music. So they're looking at you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we paid to see the headliner and you're opening you're wasting our time you know what i'm saying mm, so yeah. it's very tough in the beginning really hard mm, mm, but mm. now you know i love it of course you know it's it's great great fans out there and they they're so passionate they love the music and that's what awesome can, man what more could he ask for what has there been anybody that you were really really fanboyed out about that you got to either play with or got to meet now that you've become an artist uh, I mean, of course, you know, being in the studio with Maurice White was unbelievable. Oh, um, wow. Go produce one of my albums. Um, that had to be an amazing, amazing moment. Pinch myself every morning when he called <laughs> me up. Hey, Brian, I'm, I'm outside. Let me in. You know, <laughs> that guy's, that's Maurice White is calling me. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Uh, you know, when Stevie Wonder walked out on stage during one of my shows and sat in and busted out his harmonica. I mean, that just blew everyone away. Uh, getting a call on a random Tuesday afternoon from Elton John saying he likes what? one of your albums. No. I mean, various things like this have, have happened over the years and that I've been so thankful for. And, you know, people that I've obviously looked up to my whole life um, and that's the power of music you never know who's listening um, I'll, I'll get notes from random people all over the place you know uh, regular people to random celebrities you know I was at the Hollywood Bowl and get a note from Harrison Ford hey he wants to meet you you know it's just like random stuff happens wow it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean it's cool yeah. Is cool. that how you met Sinbad? Sinbad, we, uh, I, I met Sinbad probably backstage at a festival. You know, he emceed a lot of jazz fests over the years. And he'd always be hanging out right on the side of the stage watching everybody. You know, he <laughs> loves music, loves funk, loves jazz, the whole nine. So um, I think it was Cap Jazz or uh, one of the West Coast, fest whichever one, you know, he, he did a lot of them. Uh, we would just randomly run into each other side of the stage, and then he'd watch the show. I'd come off stage, and I'm like, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Do his thing. So we just slowly kind of, you know, started chatting now and then and with texts or whatever. And, uh, when I was working on uh, one of my records many years ago, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm in the studio with Chuck Brown right now. Come over. 
and he came over like boom you know so from that from that moment on you know that was the 12 record where he was on uh, the song yeah. feeling it yeah and he had his guitar hey, bro, I, got, hey, I bring bro. my guitar <laughs> i laugh every single time i hear it can I play? Can I play? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, and at the end, he's like, I brought my bike. Somebody take me home. That's, like, <laughs> that's hilarious. $25. <laughs> I still owe $25. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You have you have lived an incredible life through your music, and, I, and you're not even close to being done. And um, <laughs> if you could talk to the, the you could say the one last thing uh, as you you have chased what you might have been impossible. It wasn't impossible for you. It just seemed to, to fall into place. But the person I know that's just learned to play, that just wants to play because he loves it, what would be the thing you'd tell him to say, hey, you can make that happen? What would you tell him to do? Man, it's... Uh, the thing is, it's to me, it's always been about staying true to what you feel uh, is is good music to you. Don't Don't chase anyone else's ideas of what music should be play music I, I said it earlier from your heart and it will be authentic be authentic mm. um, I, I hate it when I hear records that are clearly inauthentic and what I mean by that is they're just following the trends doing what they think will get on radio you know mm. And it's like, that's not going to stand the test of time. You know, if you, if you do something that there's real feeling and real passion in it, I think people will respond more to it and you'll have some longevity to it. Um, and also something that uh, I remember Bud Harner, who uh, got me my first deal, he always told me, Brian, it's about a compelling melody. Mm. If you can write a melody that can stick in people's heads... That's key. Wow. So really, really focus on the melodies. Make sure you can sing along and, and remember those. And you want those catchy hooks that people like will get mad at you late at night when they're trying to sleep. <laughs> Damn it, this song won't get out of my head. <laughs> Oh, man, I should do appreciate you sharing your story. As always, you know, here at Chasing the Impossible, you want to let people know that whatever their dream is, it is possible. And you have walked through a wonderful story. Uh, and I, I just, again, want to continue to enjoy your music. And if, and, and if, if the people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to connect with you as a, as a, as a fan? Do they go on Facebook or how do they say, hey, we appreciate you? I mean, I'm on, of course, I'm on Facebook at Brian Culbertson Official. That's where I stream my uh, The Hang Show every Friday night. Uh, also on Twitter, IG, um, and uh, I got a big YouTube following as well. And then my regular web website is just brianculbertson.com. So. Well, you heard it here first, guys. Let's keep giving Brian support. He's been an amazing artist for so long, giving us great music. I myself been a big fan. So continue to support the real artists, the real music that people are making out there. Because right now during COVID, we need it. We need the artists to continue to create. And, and Brian's one of those artists that's always been able to bring us something of quality content, something that we can really hang on to. So again, Brian, thank you so much for being here, a part of it. Thank you, Derek. My pleasure. Man, God bless. Take care. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great one, guys. Bye-bye now.